It's bad when you become a punchline across the world of sports. But just think about this. It could have happened to you, Virginia Cavalier fans. And no, this is not the Miami Hurricane fan coming out in me and trying to say that, sure. oh, Virginia was dumber than Miami. Miami is so dumb, their coach made the same mistake twice. That's how dumb this is. In case you are unaware, let's at I least, like the mistake. first of all, I know you did as a Virginia Tech fan. Not even because I was a Virginia Tech fan. Georgia Tech, Miami. Someone had the Georgia Tech money line. You did. Congratulations to you. So, Georgia Tech trails Miami. Late game. Miami ball. Georgia Tech. No timeouts left. Clock is under 40 seconds to go. And just as a little FYI, this is a running clock. And oh, by the way, it's a 40-second play clock that we're working with. So... Under 40 seconds to go means only one other play has to be run in the game. Apparently in the Mario Cristobal, Dr. Bob, somewhere in the arrogant coach's sphere playbook, we don't have kneel downs in the playbook. Instead, we have this. No, no, it's it's under 40 seconds. Just take a knee. Like, you should not be handing this football off. I don't know what Miami is doing. That's it. Here's Cheney, the straight ahead, tackled, and the ball popped out. You've got to read the clock. I mean, read the card. I mean, to me, Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Information there to change this. Here's Jeff Ezer. After further review, the ruling on the field stands. First down, Georgia Tech. So with 26 seconds left, Miami commits its clock the football. Singleton, the fastest of the receivers to the top of the screen. Here's King. From the pocket, flush to his right with six, five, going to loop it downfield, and ball is caught! Touchdown, Georgia Tech! With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary hauls it in! Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. I mean, I'm going to say it, it needs to be said, that's one of the biggest coaching mistakes at this level that I have ever seen in my lifetime. This Did level? Like ever. At any any level, level. At any level. So there are a number of things to unpack. And, of course, there's the local angle to this that it could have happened at Virginia. Because for years, I would gripe about it. And it'd be one of those deals where you're getting into the weeds, Ed. I can't believe you're bringing up something that has no relevance. Oh, it will one day. And Saturday happened to be that day. The end of the weeds fact that Dr. Bob, we can't criticize him. We just have to let him be brilliant. Robert and I, the former offensive coordinator at Virginia, the same one, by the way, who is not achieving anything with Brendan Armstrong at NC State. More on that later this week, by the way, here in the fast lane, because NC State fans were rather, well, redneck NC State stereotype fans uh, in that game. But not to get too sidetracked. You've got this situation where there are certain coaches out there where whether it's padding the stats, fighting to the last blow and the final whistle of the game, um, till the game's in doubt, and then the coaches that have no concept that their job is to preserve winning above all else, 
Offensive coaches measured by offensive stats. Defensive coaches measured by defensive stats and what offenses are not able to do against them. As a head coach, the job needs to be much broader than that. And there are countless examples of hideous coach management and awareness. Absolutely deplorable. It's across college sports. Blown leads, not understanding situations, not understanding how, again, this is elementary school math that we're talking about here. This is not anything complex. This is as simple as it gets. There are 40 seconds on the play clock. So 40 seconds between a play. It takes, what, two to three seconds to snap the ball and kneel down. The clock is going with under 40 seconds to go. And you have to run one play and the opponent doesn't have a timeout. And you don't have a kneel down in your playbook? I mean, again, it's easy to look at Miami. And Miami's coach is is as absurd as it gets. And there's a total lack of leadership by not taking accountability. More on that life lesson momentarily. But this could have been Virginia. Because for years, old into the weeds Ed happened to have a valid point. And yes, this is my chest-beating moment at the expense of the team that I support, by the way, in college football. But the old chest-beating moment, that it is as obvious as anything, that you have to understand the room, understand the situation. And there is a lesson in this, which is it could happen in a lot of places because a lot of college football and college sports programs have coaches who cannot understand the basic levels of handling a game. You play as aggressively as possible to win the game. But once you have secured victory, you need to go from run the play that keeps that momentum going to run the play that clinches victory because that is the ultimate objective in a game and in a sporting event. And if I can figure this out, sitting here in our Virginia Talk Radio Network studios or on the couch at home watching or listening to some of these games, it blows my mind. The coaches out there at all levels, again, Bronco Mendenhall when he was at Virginia had Robert and I, and Mendenhall let and I do this, and it's your job as the head coach, whether it's that or the pass to the left tackle, to say, uh-uh, nope, not going to fly. There is something that has to be done from a head coach's purview, which is ensuring victory is the number one objective. And sometimes what may seem tempting needs to be put aside for the greater good. Look, we live in a BHAG culture. A big, hairy, audacious goal. We need to go after the big, hairy, audacious goal. Well, sometimes that's great. But you have to have a plan for what you're doing. And you have to understand how to pivot off of the plan. And that at some point, it's about securing victory. My dad made this comment. We had an intervention with one of my, with my sister with her substance abuse problem years ago. And, you know... I made a point, and then my sister and her circular logic and everything else was going on kept spinning it around. And my dad yanked me out of there. And he may not be happy I'm bringing this up, but whatever. It's valid. And he said, sometimes you got to understand. Get the mission accomplished and get the heck out of there before it goes bad. That's what these coaches do not understand. And it's amazing. But there's another life lesson to this as well. And we've touched on it before, how at times the lack of accountability is there. From the Virginia Cavaliers, like the penalties they committed against NC State and the coaching staff uh, defending the team and their behavior, even though at multiple times he has criticized too many penalties. 
or and we'll get into this later this week with Brent Pry of Virginia Tech but taking accountability for what you could do as a coach during these situations listen to the Miami coach because there is a bigger again life lesson to this situation Mar, just just for clarification it was third and ten so you're saying you guys could have got the first down is that why you didn't uh, it was third and ten on the fumble play is that you're saying that you could have got the first down is that why you guys didn't uh, go ahead and take a knee on that play with we should have taken a knee We should have taken a knee. In hindsight, yes. But then the other part where you've got Mario Cristobal who gets upset because the running back fumbled the ball. He mentioned that in the postgame. How do you have credibility with your team after something like this? Granted, Virginia may not be good enough to capitalize on this when they play Miami in a couple of weeks, but do you think North Carolina is with their quarterback in Drake May? Do you wonder where Miami's head's going to be as a team? When your coach doesn't take accountability through all of these, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And there are so many lessons that can be learned from something like this. Just like there are so many lessons that can be learned from paying full price when you don't have to. It's okay. Admit that you haven't done it right in prior times or that you need to start doing it right whenever you think of shopping. The easiest way to do that, of course, InsaneRadioDeals.com. We want to help you enjoy the Liberty Flames remaining regular season home football games. That's why now at InsaneRadioDeals.com, a pair of tickets, normally $70 in value for two tickets. For you, $22.22. Blowing out the budget, limited supplies, so get them while they last at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now there are other topics that we get to address here in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So multiple sources have informed the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that the Pitt Panthers, who were on their bye week, had a quarterback that was broken by Virginia Tech because Phil Dracovic is reportedly changing positions as the sixth-year senior will now play tight end during the last games of his season. It is amazing because there are a couple parts to this. One, the local angle from Virginia Tech. Not just having beaten Pitt, but perhaps this is something they should wisen up and have done with Logan Thomas and found a better quarterback option so that Thomas could evolve into what he has been, which is fantastic as a tight end in the National Football League. All credit to Logan Thomas, by the way, the Virginia Tech and Brookville High School product for making the position switch to have an NFL career that could go as long as possible. It has clearly benefited him. But also it's interesting because this is part of the reason why Pitt is one of the three teams joined by Clemson and, you guessed it, Miami, as the 10 most disappointing teams in college football, according to the Athletic.com's rankings. Uh, When your quarterback can't perform this well and Virginia Tech breaks him to the point where they need to change positions, that is as much of an indicator of a problem as any. Number four. Mardu Kane scored the game-winning goal in double overtime as the field hockey school on the mountain. Liberty University, a number 10 team in the country, knocked off number one, North Carolina. Uh, it's the second win over three over Carolina in three seasons for Liberty. Um, it is a different coach. Uh, as Karen Shelton, the lady who the stadium is named for at North Carolina, retired. And uh, yes, Aaron Matson, the star from last year's team, is somehow the player that is leading North Carolina as now her uh, eligibility as a player expired and she's the first year head coach but 
For Liberty, it's a great win to have. It's the type of win that if you don't win the Big East, and by the way, they're now in first place after beating Villanova a couple of days ago uh, to claim the Big East uh, first place in the Big East solely, but it is the type of win that can be used in your favor by a selection committee that once again you go on the road and establish that. Heck of a year for Liberty. They have uh, slowly and solidly built them into a field hockey school. Number three. According to Sports Business Journal, Warner Brothers Discovery as well as others are reportedly exploring access to the college football playoff media rights. According to Sports Business Journal, WBD, Warner Brothers Discovery, they are, quote, ready to spend again, end quote, and that ESPN and Fox, quote, make a lot of sense, end quote, but Amazon, NBC, Apple, and Warner Brothers Discovery are also in the mix. What this really says for college football is that the power brokers, particularly the Big Ten and the SEC, but not to be outdone, uh, stakeholders like the ACC, the Big 12, and even some of the smaller schools out there that will get one school into this playoff, there is a path for more dollar, dollar bills, y'all. The more properties are involved in the college football playoff. And yes, while some bemoan the idea that it's going from four teams to 12 teams and that it may not be necessary to determine who is really the best team, if you're going to have multiple bidders, the more it goes, the likelihood is there's enough interest in this that they will find a way to expand the playoffs at some point from 12 teams to 16 teams because that will mean more dollar, dollar bills y'all from the tv networks and whether it's necessary or it should happen let's pull our heads out of the sand or other places and realize that the always ever prevalent driving force in the decision making aspect of college administrations not to anyone's shock is dollar dollar bills y'all not what you may want to actually see number two so adam schefter of espn.com dropped this nugget over the weekend that the brotherly shove The play that has gained notoriety, most notably with Philadelphia, they executed it successfully two out of the three times yesterday during their game against the Rams, which you heard on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Your home for the NFL. By the way, we will have Packers at the Raiders, 7.30 airtime tonight on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. But the ever-controversial brotherly shove play will remain for the remainder of this season, obviously. But... Schefter tweeted, the controversial play has the attention of the competition committee and the NFL and the NFLPA plan to study all the injury data related to the play as is customary during the offseason, according to a league source. Um, Let's pause it for a moment. Is the league source possibly somebody within the Giants organization who might feed information to Adam Schefter because two Giants were injured on the play Monday night? Ironically, they were trying to execute it and just could not do as good of a job as Philadelphia because they don't have a better quarterback or offensive line the way the Philadelphia Eagles do. Uh, But it also brings up something that is just, it grinds my gears when it comes to the sports landscape and world. And that is this idea that anytime someone has a strategy and other teams know the strategy is available, but don't use the logical steps to circumvent that strategy, we need to go all hashtag greenie on us and claim it's an injustice and it needs to be banned as opposed to finding a way around the strategy. Look, if you don't like the brotherly shove, not only should you come up with a great defensive play, but here's an idea. Practice it yourself so that you can properly execute the brotherly shove. We saw it for years. 
New England, and then in the Super Bowl, Seattle chucked around the Indianapolis Colts wide receivers and threw off Peyton Manning's timing. They get upset. The NFL makes changes to how illegal contact, defensive holding, and pass interference are legislated, opening things up for one of the best, but not the best quarterback of all time. We know Tom Brady is still ahead of Peyton Manning in that regard. But there's another one. Everyone was upset the idea of the hack-a-shack coming to the NBA for players like Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously Shaq in his time, and others, Tim Duncan included, that they would be fouled in late-game scenarios because they were not good free-throw shooters. So, instead of those players just learning how to make free-throws and working on it, it should be banned in an intentional foul if you hack the guy when he gets the ball because he's a bad free-throw shooter. Or, let's ban the shift in baseball, which, here's an idea, hit it the other way regardless of what analytics say that's another concept and yes baseball actually has been very entertaining more on that in the foul ball area podcast for your postseason commentary but it is just an indictment about how in society right now and i know i'm getting off my lawn here for a moment but how in society right now we have this epidemic of always wanting to blame someone else whenever anything goes awry and number one on the fast five at five ish speaking of things going awry former virginia tech head football coach Justin Fuente has reportedly, according to Sports Illustrated, been added as an analyst on staff at Indiana. Any inkling that perhaps having Fuente on staff might position him to take over that job if things were to go south at some point in the future because he would be a logical interim candidate? Perhaps. Here's another thought to this, though. Guy wants to get back into coaching as an analyst or not an official coach, so you have a better chance to collect more of your negotiated buyout as opposed to it being offset because you land somewhere else. And yes, see more of this in college football and college sports in general because you'll get more opportunities for this as college sports ends up progressing with more... Well, yes, JoJo and Kenny Powers, Dollar Dollar Bills, y'all, going to certain conferences and schools. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, we will take a deep dive into your teams and topics. The Who's, the Hokies, the Liberty Flames, plus some NASCAR and Washington Commanders. Magic Johnson's spoken. It makes sense, although should he be the one speaking out? Those are all topics that we still get to address here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. And please keep your feedback coming. We may go extra heavy into your feedback tomorrow and Wednesday in the fast lane. But in the meantime, your teams and topics next on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.